This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Cripple Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Well, hello there! Hey, everybody! Welcome to episode 95 of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I am, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. I am your number one queer cripple, and you should... Be aware of that moniker because that's gonna my 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 branding on my site's gonna change a little bit to encapsulate the fact that I am your number one queer cripple. So stay tuned for that. But you're here to listen to one of the top podcasts in sexuality and disability, my show, and I'm excited to be here with you to shine a bright light on sex and disability. Um, I'm recording this little intro on a Saturday morning. It's sunny here in Toronto. All the people are out with their shirts off. It's awesome. Um, I'm a little bit tired this morning because I had a fun IBS flare last night. That was fun. Super fun. Um, don't eat burgers when you shouldn't. P.S. Don't do that. Uh, but this episode is great. I recorded with somebody who had never been on a podcast before. And they've been following my work from the UK for a while now. Their name is Morgan. And Morgan emailed me directly and said, I want to be on the show and I want to talk about autism, disability, uh, kinky stuff, all the things. And we had a really, really fun, really nuanced, really professional conversation. This person is 20 years old and they sounded like a professor at college. And it was amazing to talk with them and I love this interview so much. We talk about autism, we talk about disability, we talk about sexuality. Content warning, there is discussions of non-consensual sex, grooming, um, a few things around that that, that they bring up. Um, I wanted to make you aware of that before you listen, but this is an amazing episode, and Morgan is so, so great. And one of the things I loved about this conversation was just letting them talk for an hour and hearing their stories. And that's why I love doing interviews with people because I, I don't have to say much. I just get to let you listen to their brilliance for an hour and a half. So please enjoy this episode with my friend Morgan on Disability After Dark right now. Morgan, hello. Hi. Hi. I am so happy to have you on the podcast. I did a little intro of you before we started talking, but why don't you say hello and introduce yourself? 
Yeah, hi, so I'm Morgan. I am a absolute deviant, I guess. Um, I am super kinky and I am a very selective slut. I'm autistic and have some physical things going on. Um, and I lost my virginity in the accessible bathroom at a McDonald's. Wow. That's a, <laughs> that's, that, was a, that, was a, that was my favorite intro because I've never I just heard, completely dropped that on you. Yeah, that was great. I want to start. <laughs> I want to start at the let's start there. Yeah. So um, I was 16 at the time. And I want to point out that in England, the age of consent is 16. So I wasn't breaking that particular law. Um, but I'd met this guy online. And my mum, who is fantastic and had the best, my best interests at heart, was like, you know what, the first few dates you go on with this guy, I want you to be in a public space so that, you know, if anything goes weird, then you've got, like, people around and witnesses and you can just get away from him as soon as possible, um, which was very sensible. But 16-year-olds are not very sensible. Um, Correct. And we were at- <laughs> I was not. I was not. Yeah, and we were on this park bench sort of feeling each other up, and I was like, hey, you know, there's a McDonald's nearby with an accessible bathroom stall. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I just kind of straight away went there. I was like, you know what? Like, I'd already, because my mum is very feminist, then I'd already kind of decided, like, virginity is a useless social construct, and I just want to get it out of the way as quickly as possible so that, like, it's not a thing I think about. Hang on, hang on. How old are you? You're 20 right now? I'm 20 right now, yeah, so this was only, like, four years ago. Can we just back up you're 20 you're at 16 four years ago which was only 2014 everyone you <laughs> already understood that that <laughs> virginity was a social construct yeah my mum was just fantastic with like imbuing me with feminist ideals um she was kind of like really politically active at my age and a bit older um and so she kind of sat me down and she was like okay if you're like sexually active I'd rather you were doing it in my house where you're safe um and this is what you can do to keep yourself safe etc etc it was really like it was awkward but it was much better than the alternative of kind of skirting around it so yeah like I was really into this guy and full of all these 16 year old hormones and Um, had lots of free condoms because my college was great at handing out free condoms Um, and so we went and found this bathroom stall and did some basic kind of PIV which wasn't very comfortable because positioning in a bathroom stall is not your friend Um, and a very rushed blowjob because I was starting to feel guilty about like what if there's someone who needs this accessible bathroom stall Um, and yeah, and then I had a great story to tell. So I was I was very pleased with myself. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you could share the story to a bunch of strangers who are listening right now. So yeah, thanks hi for that. strangers, hi everyone. <laughs> so <laughs> so did you at that point? Did you identify as having autism? Was did you identify as disabled at that point? I have been diagnosed with autism, but my journey to identifying as disabled was a bit complicated because autism is one of those things where some people who are autistic will insist that they're not disabled. And I've always thought of it like, I wouldn't be disabled if the world was built for autistic people, but it's not, so I am. Like, there are lots and lots of things I can't do or refrain from doing because the world is built for neurotypical people. Um, So at, at that point I was kind of like, maybe I'm disabled, maybe I'm not. When I was first diagnosed at 14, I was at a private high school 
um, which in a lot of ways was obviously a huge privilege. And it was because my dad had left a bunch of money behind when he died. Um, don't feel sorry for me. He was an evil bastard. Um, All right, and, <laughs> um, I always have to like preface that because people are like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. It's like, no, it's fine. Um, but yeah, so I was at this private high school and in a lot of ways it was awesome. But there was a lot of classism and a lot of ableism. Um, because you had to take like an entrance exam to be able to get in and then you had to pay the fees. So I, when I was first diagnosed as autistic, I was like, well, I'm not autistic. I have Asperger's. I'm like autistic, but better. And I had to really like, I felt the need to really distance myself from other autistic people. And it's taken me a long time to deal with all of that internalized ableism. Um, but I'm getting there. I mean, we know there's a hierarchy of disability. Like, I know, especially as a physically disabled person, there's definitely mm-hmm. a hierarchy. Like, if you see somebody with a with a intellectual disability and you're just physically disabled, there is a hierarchy of like, oh, well, at least I'm not intellectually disabled. Did you feel... But, I mean, did yeah, you- I, I felt like at least I'm not physically disabled, um, which is a complicated one anyway, because I might be. Um, but... At the time, I was like, you know, at least I have... Because especially with autism, there's, like, this model minority thing of, like, you know, the savant thing. It's like, you know, autistic people are really great at certain things. They're really great at maths or they're really, like, hyper-focused. Yeah. 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 Um, and, I mean, that's that can be true. But, you know, you're still disabled. And so I kind of was really like, you know, well, I'm autistic and that means that I'm really good at writing um and kind of ignored and didn't pay attention to all the other bits of my disability which led to a lot of other mental health stuff that was also debilitating um and I've had to really kind of take a step back and be like okay why am I so intent upon distancing myself from other intellectually disabled people because at the end of the day like it's just like it's it's a difference and it's some strengths and some weaknesses but like, I would not ever be ableist towards other people on purpose. So why am I kind of being ableist in my own internal narrative? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a, that's a, that's a struggle for a lot of us. Like, I do this podcast and I, I am outwardly, I try my best not to be ableist, but there are moments in my internal dialogue where I'm like, oh, I'm t- that was super ableist. Why did I say that? Okay, yeah, like, like, I... I listened to your episode about like when you were calling yourself out for being a douchebag about various things. Um, and it was great. And it reminded me that like, you know, the Facebook time hop feature where it tells you what you were doing like a year ago. Oh, um, isn't that the worst I, and oh, most terrifying oh. feature? I hate that feature so much. <laughs> it's so bad. But um, it likes to remind me that when I was like 14, 15, I thought that it was appropriate to affectionately call my friends the N word with an oh, A on the end. No. Um, and I'm super white <laughs> and that's obviously not okay. But I thought it was because it was like, didn't have the ER on the end and like, you know, and it's cool, black people yeah. had reclaimed it so I could use it now, I guess. It was just, oh. Uh, there's, like, there's a song that Beyonce just came out with that I listen to all the time and the chorus is that word. And mm. I love the song, and I really, <laughs> like, I was out the other day, and I was trying to, like, sing the song to myself, and I was like, no, I can't, I'm out in the world, I can't <laughs> <Yeah>. sing that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, you know, we're all, like, we all have to hold ourselves accountable and keep checking in. Um, like, I recently had some counseling for an eating disorder that I struggle with, and I had to face up to the fact that I have a lot of internalized fat phobia, like... 
a lot of the work that gets done around eating disorders is like, you know, oh, even if you eat healthily, even if you eat more calories than you have been, you won't get fat. And actually, like, I needed to hear, you might get fat, and that's okay. And that's, you know, and I was doing all that stuff that I kind of condemn when it happens to other fat people of like, you know, like, equating thinness with health and equating fatness with like not working hard enough on yourself yeah, like lack of self-care yeah yeah and yeah and I hadn't faced up to that until really like a year ago um and it sucks and it's really hard but it's so important to do yeah exactly and I, I you know what I'm impressed with just from talking with you you're 20 years old when I was 20 which was holy fuck 14 years ago I, I did not have the wherewithal and the like the the level of understanding and like and comfort you do with your stuff. So mm. I applaud that because wow. Um, my my girlfriend always says that it's like one of my superpowers that I like really introspective and like work really hard on knowing what's going on in my brain and where it comes from. Um, and I think it's partly because like when I was diagnosed autistic, then I looked at what that meant. And my younger sibling had been diagnosed years before I was. Um, and I was watching them kind of not do the work and, you know, like be inconsiderate and say like you know the kind of stereotype of like autistic people say really tactless hurtful things yeah like he my my younger sibling was just doing that and not kind of checking in with themselves and not like apologizing and holding themselves accountable um so I'd watched all of that happen and I was like okay what does me being autistic mean what does it cause me to do and how does it cause me to behave and what do I want to challenge in that so I do I work really hard on holding myself accountable I work really hard on like being introspective and like working out what my feelings are and where they come from um and I work really hard on communicating because it's just one of my biggest pitfalls so I think I mean I think that's amazing and I I think that the fact that you that I mean that's gonna really uh, that's gonna really uh, change how you how your sex life grows and how your sexuality along with your autistic identity how they merge together and I think it actually could Mm. be a real big strength for you yeah, it's it's definitely like it's super helpful because I have a tendency otherwise to assume that everyone experiences the same stuff I do, um, which can just be kind of a bit, you know, like it, it stopped me from realizing that I was in pain for the first 14, 15 years of my life because I thought everyone's joints hurt all the time. Um, everyone's so that's just, joints are hypermobile and disconnected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like everyone's got weird connective tissue, right? right. Um, apparently not. Apparently, most people are not in agony after they walk up a flight of stairs. Who knew? Um, I, I wouldn't. But, I, me personally, would not know this. So, yeah, yeah. It sounds. It sounds great. It sounds fantastic. There was one time I snuck off. Um, between we had a lunch break between the first half of my French lesson and my second half of my French lesson at my sixth form I snuck off to go and get high um because I did that quite a lot at that stage of my life um I came back and I sat down next to my French buddy Ronan and I was like Ronan I'm high and he was like yeah okay and I was like my knees don't hurt I didn't know that this is what it's like when your knees don't hurt do you have this all the time? And he was like, <laughs> like yes, he was Morgan. Like, What's your deal? My knees are fine. <laughs> yeah. 
um so yeah like but also with the communication and with the like making assumptions then I can kind of assume that people have the same sexual and kink experiences I do um which can obviously be really dangerous if you are into something you can if you assume someone else must be into it as well then you can very easily if you don't check yourself you can very easily head into the territory of doing things non-consensually to other people or in front of other people or with other people um so I use a lot of tools to get around that. Like when I first start seeing someone, I'm like, hey, do you want my yes, no, maybe list? Do you want to make your own yes, no, maybe list? I can help you with that. Um, that's amazing. We should some, be best some people friends. are a bit like, wow, like that's that's full on. Um, I have this whole Google Doc that just hyperlinks to other Google Docs. And it's like lists of food I eat because I'm super fussy about food. Wow, and, and you send that to a partner like that? Like you send you is that your like pre... <laughs> Is that your pre- yeah, I'm like, this is your homework. This is this is the info sheet on me. Have fun. Like, and take your time. And how? And you're 20. Holy, <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. I am 34, and I don't send a pre, like, a pre. <laughs> that's amazing. So, but some people are really spooked by it. Some people are like, what? What is this? Like, I don't need to like be bombarded with all of this. But I'm like, you can read it in your own time. Just get back to me when you're done. Like, do you even send that to like a hookup partner, or is this is like, is it? I. I haven't been hooking up for a while because I kind of, my friends collectively banned me from Tinder, FetLife and OkCupid because I nearly gave a strange man my address because he said he'd bring me orange juice and they were like, okay, you cannot negotiate your own boundaries safely, you cannot keep yourself safe, so you're not allowed on dating websites or hookup websites. Smart, smart, Um, good friends, good friends, good friends. Yeah, um, so at the moment it's just, yeah. At the moment, it's just like I'm just seeing my boyfriend and my girlfriend. But when I was kind of having more casual encounters, then I would ask. I would be like, hey, do you want my yes, no, maybe list? Do you want the primer on all my different mental health difficulties? Do you want the list of foods I eat so that you can make me breakfast in the morning? Um, And all that's adorable. Do you want the list of foods I eat so you can make me breakfast in the morning? Is the cutest (laughs) thing I've ever heard in my whole life. (laughs) I had one one hookup, and he was so lovely. Um, And... I sent him this list and he literally went out and bought my favorite bagels that were listed as like my favorite breakfast item, like New York company sesame seed bagels. Um, so in the morning, then he could make me bagels and like send me on my way. It was really cute. That's... Um, <laughs> Everybody listening to me right now, if you're going to fuck me, I'm going to send you what I want you to make me for breakfast and <laughs> then you're going to get it and we're going to have breakfast <laughs> This is what will happen. And I will send you my yes, no, maybe list because I like that idea. I'm going to adopt it for myself right now. I actually have um, four columns in my yes, no, maybe list. I have a yes, I am super enthusiastic about these things. And a yes, I don't mind these things, but I'll do them if you fancy them column. And then like... Uh, maybe column that's like if I really really trust you if we are ongoing partners in some capacity and you catch me on the right day and then obviously my nose which are just like don't even ask because you're not going to get it yeah yeah um so that's really useful because then people can kind of like decide what they want to bring in as a thing that they want and what they want to bring in as a thing that like I'm really hype about that's I think that's so, like, like I talk about storyboarding your sex a lot, um, mm. and I don't do it as much very often, as as often as I used to, because I have a, I'm working with a sex worker right now, so we kind of, we understand each other quite well, and there's mm-hmm. not as much of a need for that anymore, but I think it's really awesome that you were like, here's my list, dealing with it, this <laughs> is what it is, and here's who I am, and if you're gonna get with me in any capacity, then you should read the list. 
Mm-mm. Well, my my university course is in English, um, and people are always like, "Oh, language or literature?" It's both. Okay, it's both. Like, um, but I did English at A level, which is like the equivalent of like the last two years of American high school, I think. Right. Um, and then I did French alongside it. Um, I did French, German, and Latin at GCSE, which was like up till sixteen. Um, And I've always said, like, I have this really acute interest in words because I can't do the rest of communication. I can't do tones of voice very well. I can't do body language very well. I can't read other people's facial expressions. So if I can make sure that I've got all the vocabulary I need and I can give that vocabulary to other people, then it makes it much easier for everyone involved. And if I can say straight up, like, I can't read facial expressions, and the only tone of voice I can read is anger because I had an abusive step-parent. So I know that one. Like, that'll activate my fight or flight, but anything other than that, no idea. Um, So I say that to people straight away. I'm like, look, I need a bit more help like I need you to be really explicit about things and people like being given the tools to help and be constructive people like be knowing what they're doing knowing what the parameters are what the boundaries are like most people want to be good and they want to be helpful and they want to be kind so if you say hey look this is how you can treat me well this is how you can be kind to me this is how you can help me like live with the autism and the depression and everything else and people are excited about that people are like awesome now i can do it perfectly that's i mean first of all it's awesome that you're meeting people who are excited to do that with you versus like terrified to do that with you so mm. and i mean especially at your age like not to bring up the age thing again but i'm so enamored by you so far <laughs> because i'm like you're so young and you're so like this is a conversation that i couldn't have with people who are my age right now They'd be like, what are you, what is, I don't understand. You've got it down. And so I'm just so excited for you in like 10 years when you're like 30. And, you know, I'm excited to see how this goes for you as you get older. Because again, when I was 20, I did not have this, I did, I was not this, I was not this ready to take on like my identities. I'm only doing it now. So that's so great. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's awesome. I think. A lot of it is like my mum has really set me up for it. And if you ever look at my Twitter, sometimes my mum replies to my tweets on my kink blog Twitter, which is, you know, a bit embarrassing, but she's so <laughs> supportive. She, like, I came out to her as bisexual um, and, and I brought my friend along with me and she was like, oh, so are you two? And we were like, no, no, we were super like platonic besties, like siblings. Um, and she was like, "Oh, that's a shame because your friend's really lovely." Um, it was just not a big, uh, not a big deal. And I came out to her as non-binary, and that took a bit more explaining because my mum is also autistic and just has never engaged with the concept of gender. Wow. She was like, that's, "Yeah, hang she, on, she... let's back up." <laughs> that's, that's, wow. Okay, so okay, my next question is: Do you and your mom talk about? both of your autism together like is it do you guys have a yeah. support system yeah my mum's not been formally diagnosed she's the only one out of the three of us like me my younger sibling and her she's the only one who's not been formally diagnosed but she kind of like did the initials online screening and it was like yep you are super autistic um and she just kind of thought that all of her experiences were what everyone else has um so 
sometimes it'll still be like, hey, is this an autism thing? And I'll be like, I don't know. I have it, but that doesn't mean it's, you know. It's for you. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. There, there's, um, there definitely is a spectrum, it sounds like. Yeah. Um, there's a really good um, visualization of the spectrum by Rebecca Burgess. Um, and it's like this big color wheel. And it's like there's different points on different outsidey bits, like um, sensory sensitivity and verbal communication and nonverbal communication. And you end up with this little like spider web diagram. Um, I find that really useful to explain to especially neurotypical, not otherwise disabled people. It's not a spectrum from not autistic to very autistic. It's more three-dimensional it's than like that. Within autism, there's like a bunch of other... Spe- within the spectrum, there's like a bunch of other spectrums that... Yeah, yeah. Um, and like there's a lot of kind of discussion around functioning labels as well because my mum and I more so than my younger sibling who was assigned male um we get told that we're high functioning and it's you know I see where it comes from because we can go out in the world and do things um and we can verbally communicate really well and we can pretend to make eye contact my mum actually told me when I was quite young when people want you to make eye contact you can just look at the bridge of their nose and they think you're looking them in the eye um so we've got all these kind of strategies these kind of survival mechanisms but at the end of the day when we come home we're exhausted and it's like we can quote unquote function in the neurotypical world better than say my lower functioning younger sibling but we suffer a lot more for it than if we just acted as autistic as we feel if we were like doing self-stimulatory behaviors in public and like you know flapping our hands and clicking and like ignoring people when they speak to us and not making eye contact at all things your brain is telling you that you should be doing but you're really working hard to like not do that yeah yeah so i mean that does like how does all that exhaustion how do you how do you feel, how do you feel like, how do you get through all that without being tired all the time? Or do you just power through? <laughs> Basically, I am tired all the time. It doesn't help that I've got um, lots of mental illness stuff going on. Like, all the stereotypes of, like, actually crazy that, like, other mentally ill people are like, oh, yeah, I've got anxiety, but I'm not, like, crazy. No, I am actually crazy. Like, I have um, occasional psychosis and I'm on antipsychotic medication um and i have like inconsistent like emotional reactions to things and all that sort of stuff so i'm living with a lot of different mental illness stuff and it's really difficult to pin down what is what but yeah i mean like it's much easier to say to someone i'm having a really bad depression day i'm going to stay in bed rather than i'm having a really big autism day i'm going to stay in bed and play tetris like they sound very different even though they are essentially my disability is affecting me this way so I'm going to do this self-care thing but people think when you say that you're having like an autism day that means you don't want to see them specifically so a lot of it is just kind of like repackaging my language but yeah I am always exhausted um I have a lot of because I'm just at university at the moment I'm lucky enough that I don't have to work because in England then you get like a loan to help you look after yourself and it's not as I understand as bad as American ones where the interest is really steep um and so I just do university at the moment and blogging and kind of that sort of stuff and it's really like I get a lot of down time um 
I don't always do my absolute best at uni because all the deadlines come at once, the exams come at once. So I don't always kind of perform as well as I would if I had more time and fewer people to deal with. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, totally. Um, so with all of that, I'm just I'm just going back on what you were saying. With all of that stuff you, you mentioned, like, so how does all of this affect your, like, sense of sexuality? It can be hard. Um, that's the first thing is that it just can be really difficult. Um, I struggled with disordered eating and like a lot of issues around my body. So being sexual can be really difficult. Um, but also being sexual is really like a release a lot of the time. Um, I do a lot of kink stuff that is really helpful. Um, let's, like, go, let's go there. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Yeah, um, so I actually got really annoyed with a partner once because I'd done a scalpel scene with another partner and he was like, you're just using that as a proxy for self-harm. And I spent a lot of time thinking about it and I was like, no, actually, like, it's more like autistic stimming. It's more like, okay, I want to have this really acute sensory experience to ground myself Um and feel really like vulnerable but cared for in the presence of my dominant partner and you know just really kind of focus on like be in my body um whereas when I'm self-harming then it's very much like okay I need a big old heap of endorphins to get me through the day and then I'm not going to think about it again so it's like the complete opposite ends of the spectrum um so that's really useful and I have a lot of um like, I'm in a 24-7 power exchange with my boyfriend, who is also my daddy. Um, I tweet about him pretty much exclusively as my daddy rather than my boyfriend. Amazing. Um, Amazing. Yeah. Um, which, like, my friends are really perplexed about because, like, I'll say, oh, I need to go and phone my mum. And they're like, that's your real mum, right? I'm like, yes, my real biological mother. Um, but, yeah, so... I'm in 24-7 power exchange there and so I have a lot of protocols that revolve around self-care and like being kind to myself like when we're apart I send him a photo of every meal I have um I send him photos of me brushing my teeth he can order me to go and shower he can order me to go and have a nap he can sometimes order me to take my um, I have some medication that I take only when I'm having acute anxiety episodes. Right. Um, sometimes he can order me to do that. Sometimes I will say for it, I'll be like, no, like just we're past that point. Um, so that is really useful. Um, and I have quite a bit of weirdness around masturbation because of some trauma stuff. So like I only get, my nut out when I'm having partnered sex of some variety even if it's like you sit there and watch while I masturbate I can do it but if it's like I just masturbate on my own with some porn then I just space out is that, because, just like, is that because you feel safe with someone that you trust watching you do that so that it's so that you... it's it's partly that but also um I know I said that I might not go here but I'm gonna go here right. <laughs> um I was I was groomed when I was 15 by this dude online who was an adult um and my first ever experiences of actually masturbating in a like fun like successful way were guided by him over Skype he was like okay now do this and now do this and who's a good girl etc um and so that kind of 
that went on for like a year and it really conditioned me to feel like when I am masturbating then there should be a person there um and there's like a lot of kind of stuff I'm working through in therapy at the moment about like my my sex drive and my arousal were what landed me in that situation um in my head um so therefore it's dangerous for me to be aroused on my own but obviously what landed me in that situation in real life is the fact that there was an opportunistic predatory bastard on the internet taking advantage of autistic teenagers Um, that's on him yeah yeah no 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 totally um and thank you so much for sharing that because i know we weren't going to go there so i I'm (laughs) i'm happy that you felt safe enough to do that um that's a lot. <laughs> it's yeah, a lot. that is a lot. Uh, I don't really know if there's a segue out of there, so I'm going to move. But again, thank you so much <laughs> for sharing that part. I'm going to move to something a little bit lighter. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, you have never... This is your first like podcast deal, isn't it? Yeah. Because when you, when you sent me your, your form, you were like, I've never done this. I'm super nervous. I love your show. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to thank you for that because that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, like, I... So I used to stream, like, I used to have friends who streamed video games and I would be on the Skype call with them, like, commentating over the gameplay. Um, but at that point, it was before I'd realised I was non-binary, so I was still identifying as a girl. Um, and you're like, hi, I'm Morgan, I'm a girl. Then in video gaming communities... It's a nightmare. Um, so I'm kind of really glad that I've moved away from all of that now. Um, but yeah, like this, like you have been super welcoming and just really chill. So this is a much better experience than being the only girl in a video game stream. I'm so happy, and I'm. It was so nice to get your to get your like. I've never usually when I when I want somebody on the show, I I send out the form and be like, hey, I think you're awesome. Here's a form. <laughs> Fill it out if you want to. You're the first person ever. To be like, I'm gonna send. Like, I got I got the form and I was like, what is happening? This is this never happens. So it was really like, I'm so glad that this that this show has resonated with you to a point where you can like want to come on. That's amazing. I thought you'd have people like kicking down your door trying to come onto your podcast because well, it you is. Know, I mean, I do. I sometimes I do, but sometimes it's like sometimes I'm like crickets. I'm like. Can somebody, does somebody want, like, does somebody want to come on? Um, so anybody listening, I want guests all the time. Let me know. <laughs> yeah, and to anyone listening as well, then this process has been super chill and super, like, welcoming. Like, it doesn't feel like, you know, that kind of, like, proving yourself feeling that you get with, like, job applications and stuff? It's not like that. It's just, like, you know... Like here's a nice, friendly person. Talk to them about disability for a while. Yeah, I mean, and I what I love about us, our conversation is like, it's just been it's literally been a conversation. There's the, I got this time, yeah. the last few guests, I've tried to be professional and write down questions that I was like, I'm gonna write down questions and make sure that I like have it all professional. But this one, I was like, let's just have a conversation and see where it goes. And <laughs> it's gone to some really awesome places, and I'm really, really excited that the show. Because I remember you tweeted me initially, and we're like, "Oh my god, the show is great! Thank you!" And I was like, "Wow, like people listen, great!" So yeah, it's nice to know. And I also appreciate because I'm not autistic; I don't identify on that spectrum. So I appreciate that we can have conversations about two completely different disabilities and still feel like we're part of the same community. Yeah, it is brilliant because 
you know, like, there's a lot of weird pitting the two against each other, like, mental and intellectual disability and physical disability, and people are like, there's, like, the rhetoric of, like, you know, oh, you wouldn't tell someone with a broken leg to just walk it off, so why tell someone with anxiety, blah, 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 and it's like, okay, but people with physical disabilities do get treated horribly, like, and I don't think we need to belittle that to make our points about everything else. I mean, we do, um, and we also, a lot of us also have, deal with depression, a lot of us also deal with, mm. uh, intellectual disabilities or invisible disabilities that we don't get treated for because people only see us as the disabled person or the, yeah. the guy, the, the person in the wheelchair. Um, so I, I really wanted, I, when I wanted to speak with more individuals with autism on the show because it's an experience that, like I spoke with somebody last year on the show, um, Alex Haygard, hey, uh, <laughs> and they told me that, you know, they don't have I, from what I remember, they they said sometimes their sex drive is really low. Do you feel like with your experience with autism, is your do you feel quote unquote hypersexualized because of that? Um, I think that some aspects of me being autistic lead me into kind of the manic pixie dream girl stereotype, um, because I can be really really enthusiastic about things and. I don't know if you've heard the term special interest, but like when you're hyper-focused on a particular subject or like piece of media or, or whatever, and you end up learning everything there is to know about it and you're really, really excited. My special interest from the ages of 16 up till now has been sex, sexuality and kink. Um, and so I like devour podcasts and blogs and everything. Just so um, you know, that's been my special interest <laughs> since I was like 10 years old. <laughs> Yeah, like, it's it's a brilliant field because there is so much new research being done. There are so many new voices coming to the fore. So there's, like, you don't run out of material to engage with. Um, but that does mean that, like, a lot of people think that because I'm really, really interested in learning about sex and talking about sex, I'm really interested in having sex, which is sometimes true, but not always with the strange dudes who slide into my DMs. Like <laughs> DM, People in DMs can be... I mean, I, I, I don't experience this a lot because I really only use my Twitter now to be like, hey, let's talk about the podcast. But, um, you know, I've seen people slide into people's DMs and it's like, slow your roll, calm yourself. Mm. Like, don't be, why you gotta be so weird about it? Um, but I wanted to ask you about, like, in North America, the discussion around disability and autism and any kind of, like, difference is super closed off and super, like, not the kindest um hmm. is it the same in the uk like is is do you think the disability discussions because i know that a lot of stuff around disability was like born in the uk and a lot of discussions around like, the, the social model and things like that came out of the out of, out of the uk do you feel like um in your in your experience do you feel like the uk has a really good like framework around disability and autism it really varies um I have deliberately constructed a lot of my social circles so that they are, I'm surrounded by people who either understand all the stuff already or are willing to learn. So like, I don't have any kind of friends who would call me differently abled or anything like that because that really just <laughs> makes so, my skin I'm so cool. happy for you that they don't call you differently abled. I was in a, actually, it was funny, I was in a session the other day with some people doing a talk and one of the participants said, I don't see disability. I see you all as differently abled. And I, 
I was standing up there at the front, and I'm and I had just said, I call myself disabled, and then <laughs> and then right after that she goes, I don't see your disability. I see you all as differently abled, and I smiled, and I like cringed, and I went, <laughs> okay, I support your right to use that language, um, for your but you're wrong, <laughs> for your, yeah, for yourself. Uh, but you're wrong. Here's why. Here's like 10 reasons why. Um, so, but it's really good that you have a friend group that understands, like, do they, do, do you feel like your friendships honor your preferred pronouns and your preferred identifiers? Do you feel like they... Yeah, like, um, a really great thing that happened, actually, was one time I was at my knitting society, because I'm really into knitting, it's just like socially st- sanctioned stimming. Um, I was just going to say, um, I was like, that, that sounds like a stimming activity. <laughs> yeah um and um can i can i quote an ableist slur is that okay yes yeah so um my friend was getting fr- frustrated with her crochet and she went oh this is being fucking retarded and i was like whoa and i started jokingly saying to people you owe me a drink for that um and it's just a thing i say i don't know where it came from but i went you owe me a drink for that i'm autistic um, completely forgot about it. A couple of a good couple of weeks later, we were in a cocktail bar, and she was like, "Hey, Moggy, I used the R word the other day. What drink do you want?" I was like, "What?" And she was like, "No, go on. Here's the menu. I'm gonna buy you a drink to apologize." And I was like, "Wow, okay, that's amazing. Um, that's really cool. Hey, friend. Yeah. Anyone who's used <laughs> bad terminology around me, you owe me a drink. Uh, so if you use the word differently abled, I want." <laughs> Rums, I want rum and cokes all around, and I want burgers, all the things. Um, but that's I got a sex on the beach. It was great. Amazing, um, amazing. But, so they're so good. Um, but yeah, and um, I first started using they and them pronouns consistently because one of my best friends from university, um, we were like out in town just shopping and stuff, and I was sat on a bench for a minute because I just needed a minute, um, and she stood over me and she went, Morgan what pronouns do you actually want me to use? And I was like, I don't know, they and them. And she was like, then we're going to do that. Um, and she is now one of my biggest champions and like corrects other people. And like a lot of the people in my life like slip up from time to time, but they really want to be correct. They really want to like be respectful. So like I have this network of other people kind of like correcting each other and like, you know, being considerate. And I don't even have to do anything. I can just sit back and be like, yes, minions. It is they, them. Thank it, it, you. Yes, minions. <laughs> it is. This is... <laughs> This is my required pronouns. Make it so. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. Um, No, but I slip up all the time with with pronouns and identifiers, and I can promise you, when I edit this, when I do the intro and and outro, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna have to re-record it three or four times. I'm gonna say the (laughs) wrong thing. I'm gonna be like, oh fuck, I can't put that out there. I gotta start again. It is it is different difficult and like I slip up sometimes like my younger sibling at the moment is trying to figure out some gender stuff so I'm using they and them as a placeholder with their consent um, and I still slip up because I knew them as different pronouns for the first 16 years of their life yeah. Um, and, and yeah as long as you kind of just say like whoops sorry got that wrong they then it's it doesn't need to be a big deal yeah. and especially like with me, I've obviously got like the kind of high-pitched girly voice, and I've got huge tits that I usually kind of foreground in all my outfits. Amazing. Um, Amazing. And I do wear makeup, and I do wear jewelry sometimes. So I look femme a lot of the time, which is partly because 
like it's the easiest thing to do in a lot of situations is just to pass for cis um and it's partly because i do really enjoy playing with makeup and playing with jewelry and playing with like dressing slutty um Me too, though. Hey. <laughs> yeah um but it's about how people then read you and people just shouldn't be gendering strangers and they shouldn't be misgendering people that they know to be non-binary or they know to be whatever gender like it the onus then is on other people i don't think i should have to make myself look more non-binary no and i don't think you should either do you do you feel the same way when it comes to disability identification it sounds like you're really proudly autistic um that's very recent um i i mean i've always talked about being autistic because i kind of like to be there's a phrase that i picked up from the dildorks um fantastic podcast would also recommend hey but yeah the beacon of permission and it's like if i sit here and i talk about being autistic and being mentally ill and all the rest of it then other people will kind of like pull me to one side and be like hey morgan hey morgan um, there was one dude in my English lit class at one point who got diagnosed as autistic throughout the academic year. Um, and so, like, he would get really excited. He would be like, hey, Morgan, is this an autism thing? And I'd be like, well, it sounds like it could be. Um, and just he was really glad to have someone else to talk to about it. And I think if I had had other autistic people around me, because my mum didn't realize she was autistic for quite a while um if when i got diagnosed there were other autistic people around me that were more outspoken and excited about being autistic and being like owning that aspect of their identity then i wouldn't have been so kind of like i wouldn't have internalized as much kind of well i'm a good autism and like i i can do all the maths and i'm i'm great and i'm not that kind of autist um and yeah, I, so I try and be that for other people. I try and be loudly autistic and loudly mentally ill and loudly queer. Um, not always loudly kinky because sometimes people just don't want to hear about that. Like my best friend is really excited that I'm doing blogging things, but I blocked her with my with my kink Twitter so that she doesn't have to see me. Like because she doesn't need to see my bruised butt or me talking about my daddy. Um, um, I want to see those things. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're all on my Twitter at Kinky Autistic plug. I mean, um, good, good plug, good plug. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I try and be the beacon of permission for people around me. That's I, I love that so much. Um, tell me about in, in in your in your form, you sent me things about rope puppy and rope bunny. Yeah, I don't know what that. I don't know what those are. Tell me more about that. So people say rope bunny a lot as a terminology for um, a really enthusiastic rope bottom. Um, and I definitely am a really enthusiastic rope bottom. But also bunny, um, for some reason, bunny sounds more feminine to me, um, which is not very, like, it doesn't make any sense. But you see a lot of feminine rope bottoms identifying as bunnies. Um, and I do a bit of pet play as a puppy. Um, so hey. <laughs> it, it made sense to kind of mash them together and be a rope puppy. And it is kind of a get into a puppy headspace when we're playing with rope because it's like, you know, like sit and stay and be still. Um, and sometimes like recently I went to this amazing workshop in Birmingham um, and with my daddy and 
like a big part of it was about different dynamic ways to play with rope and they were like okay bottoms you get to fight your tops and i was like oh my god this is what i've been waiting for um and so i was scrapping and kind of like you know barking and whimpering and like you know like moving around and wriggling um really like awesome just and my daddy for perspective i'm five six and he's six three um and built like god knows what and just you know really strong um has a picture of this daddy of yours i I will send you one over at some point with his consent because he is amazing he's so hot (laughs) and would recommend um Um, and yeah, so he could very easily overpower me, but it was this really fun, like, dynamic power play where he was kind of, like, letting me wriggle away sometimes, and then sometimes just being like, nope, you're getting a single column on your wrist now, etc. Um, so yeah, like, rope is really great for me because, like, sex-wise and kink-wise, it, it just is, like, just really gets me going. But also, like, autism-wise, it makes me feel really, like, squeezed and snug and safe. That's exactly and it's what like, I was just going to ask you. Yeah, if it makes it's you... a fantastic sensory experience. And the way that rope smells is really great for me as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I only recently rejoined my rope scene locally because my daddy and I had broken up with the third member of our triad that we had initially been dating within. Um, and she was part of the local scene and I blogged about toxic triads and basically like very very frightened of running into her but my counsellor I have a kink positive counsellor which was a complete accident but like on my first therapy session I just sat down and I was like so this is me and we're either gonna work within that or I'm leaving um and she took it all in her stride um again you're 20 years old this is amazing (laughs) I have friends who are like, how do you bring up kink and polyamory and everything to your therapist? And I'm like, I don't know. I just started with it and watched how she reacted. And if she had been negative about it, then I would have just found a different therapist, which is a luxury. Are they available to do intercontinent, inter-Atlantic discussions? (laughs) That would be amazing. Um, But yeah, it's just about kind of like leading with the things you're most worried about, I think. And then like if they react badly to that they're going to react badly to the smaller things so you you know straight off the bat whether that's a suitable therapist for you yeah but yeah i spoke to my therapist about um being frightened to rejoin my local kink scene um and she was like you know there's as much chance of you bumping into this ex-girlfriend on the bus or at a restaurant as there is in the rope scene which is true and you know like if she makes a scene it pun um if she if she kicks off then that look reflects badly on her and if she ignores you you can just ignore her so went along to a couple of rope events and she wasn't at either of them and like everyone there was really pleased to see me and my daddy back on the scene and it was just fantastic and I was really glad I went and I was messaging my mum because my mum knows every aspect of my life and I was like hi I'm having a quick snack break but bondage is great I love you and she'd be like stay hydrated I love you too so fantastic. I don't quite know if I could send I, and I love my mom and she's been on the show but I don't quite know if I could be like hey mom so I'm gonna I'm gonna go get gangbang right now uh but love you so much things are great bye I'm really not sure that's something we would do. it's awesome that you and your mom have such a connected relationship around the autism and around the things and like I just think that's great 
she is like my hero honestly um like she has a lot of stuff to deal with like i had um so my dad died when i was three after like being very 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 alcoholic and um he was her he was one of her professors at university so there was an abuse of power going on there he sent my baby photos back which is one of the reasons I don't feel a great loss about him as a person. You sent them um, back? What do you mean you sent them Yeah, my, my mum sent him some baby photos because they'd split up by the time I was born. Okay. But she posted him some baby photos and were like, this is your new baby, like, you know, whatever. Didn't kind of, it wasn't like, this is your child and I demand you come and see her or yeah, anything. Yeah. It was like, this is the baby. Um, and he just sent them back. He just put, returned to sender, these aren't welcome oh, or something no. along those so lines. I'm not going to feel, yeah. like, oh no. I'm just so, wow, it's horrible. Yeah, um, and then my younger sibling's dad was also horrible, but I won't go too far into that. And then she got married, which is why I now live in the middle of England. Anyone from England will know that I don't have a Midlands accent. I have kind of a Kentish accent with a bit of Nottingham. Um, That's because, like, she got married when I was 11, so we moved from down south to the Midlands. Um, And... He was horrible as well. Nearly pushed me down a staircase. Fun and games to be had by all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's really enjoyable. And in the middle of all of that, she has been kind of intermittently a single or an abuse victim parent to four kids who have all been different kinds of disabled. Um, and we don't have any contact with my two older siblings now. But, like, me and my younger sibling are... A handful. Um, even now that I'm 20, then she supports me a lot. So, yeah, the fact that she has all of that on her plate and she still finds room to be not only, like, tolerant, but accepting and welcoming of me being a queer kinky slut, like, <laughs> is amazing. Morgan's like, mom, if you're listening and you want to come on the show, I... <laughs> she probably is listening. She was. She asked me if she would be allowed to listen to it, and I was like, "Um, I'll let you know after we've recorded because it might go some places." But you know, oh, it's because I don't. Gone, wanna... It's gone places. It's gone places. I was expecting it to go, but it's. I love it. <laughs> and I don't. I don't want to make her uncomfortable ever. Like, and we've talked a lot about the difference between secrets and privacy because obviously, with any child, but especially with an autistic or otherwise vulnerable child, like. If you let them think that they can have secrets from their parents, then they are much more at risk of being groomed on the internet by a 21-year-old guy from Florida. Hi, no, I won't actually name him. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, like, um, so there were points where I was keeping secrets from her, and it always ended badly, like... And so now my litmus test for things, like recently I wanted to go to a protest against um, Donald Trump's state visit to the UK. Um, That's awesome. Hello. We're best friends. Hi. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I have some very strong feelings about Donald Trump. Somebody on the internet today, as we're recording, like an hour ago, I posted something last night about how one of the rappers said, said, you know, wearing a Make America Great Again hat is, is like this generation's version of the KKK, and I said, yeah, I, I posted that and said, yeah, where's the lie? This is true. And somebody who was my friend at work years ago wrote back at this big, horrible, this big, horrible comment about how, you know, Trump's ama- Trump's the best and how dare I and blah, blah. Oh. And I just thought, oh, wow, they're, they're really, they really are everywhere and they're hiding in plain sight and it's terrifying. 
it is it's it's really scary um but i wanted to go down to this protest in london so i wanted to travel down to london on my own and then stand in a crowd of noisy people for an unknown length of time and then travel back from london on my own um and i thought this was a great idea and then i was like looking at the website for like the coach tickets because i don't drive um and i was like um oh i hope that my mum and my girlfriend don't find out about this and that's my litmus test it's like if i if i want to keep something secret from my mum and or from my girlfriend then it's a bad idea generally speaking um and true enough i mentioned it to my mum and she was like first of all her first degree was in politics and she was like first of all this sort of protest is not actually the most politically useful thing that you could be doing because donald trump will spin it in his own favor he will use like all of the protesters as an example of like how aggressive and unwilling to listen the left is and none of that is true but like he will he will twist it in his own favor um second of all don't you dare <laughs> she was like what if you get killed what if like the police are handsy like in england we don't have as much of an issue with police brutality and i'm white and pretty um but they can still be, you know, unacceptably yeah. hands-on. And also, um, you know, being autistic and dealing with the police yeah. and then uh, understanding that, like, surely it's it's problematic. Yeah, I, I avoid the police whenever I can. Um, but yeah, so she was like, you know, there's all of these reasons that you should not do this. And I was like, okay, you make a good point. Um, and then I mentioned it to my girlfriend and my girlfriend tries really hard not to give me advice or opinions unless I specifically seek them because she knows I'm really easily swayed. Like, um, it's partly kind of the autism and partly I've got some traits of borderline personality disorder. Um, and so I'm very easy to influence even in really little ways. Like she wanted me to dye my hair one color and a different partner I had at the time wanted me to dye it another color. Right. And I shaved my head because I was just like freaking out. I shaved my head or I got my mum to shave my head. Um, but yeah, so I mentioned it to her and she was like, I don't know if that's the best idea you've ever had. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm not going to do this then. <laughs> like if, if both my mum and my girlfriend reacted like this after i have like my knee-jerk reaction was to not tell them then clearly this is not a safe thing for me to do yeah. so but there are there are obviously other ways that i want to be politically active like around trump and like the uk's complicity with all of the like ICE shit and all of that like i'm probably gonna write some strongly worded letters at some point over the next week because that is where my strength lies as a well-educated like fairly well-spoken white person um is i can be like hey so like i'm one of you and this is why you're being stupid yeah this basically. is why you're being... <laughs> don't do the thing um i want to shift it back to sex for a minute because there's a few things that you've said that i've that i've just like gone back in my brain and i was like oh yeah i want to i want to talk about those yeah so you mentioned earlier that you can't recognize facial things facial cues so mm. my question is, a lot of sex is nonverbal facial cues. So can you describe for me in the audience, like, how do you, is there a lot more talking in the sex you have so that you can, like, know what's coming yeah. next? How do you, how does that work? There is a lot of talking. Um, and, 
I mean, it's different in different situations because with my daddy and I, then we've got like basically total power exchange going on. So like if he wants to do something to my body, then he'll just do it. And he knows what my limits are. And I've got safe words. Um, and like in kind of rope settings and stuff, then I can just be like, hey, my left shoulder's out of place. Um, and I don't, I, I've listened to the Dildorks episode, mentioning them again, um, about like killing the mood. Um, and like very much agree that if the, if you can kill the mood by communicating, then it's not a good sexual setup. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's lots of talking with my daddy. Then it's a case of he just takes the initiative a lot of the time. Um, with other partners, then it's a lot of kind of like, hey, can you like, you can you can incorporate it into dirty talk, but it's a lot of like, can you let me know? Like, you know, I'm gonna put my fingers in your hole, you dirty slut, and I'm like, okay, cool, I can expect that now. Um, and <laughs> I love how um, you just did the the kinky voice, and then your autism brain was like, all right, now I know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and a lot of kind of if i'm doing something new to someone especially i'll be like you know i need either moans or like sometimes i can't differentiate between like sex noises and pain noises yeah. which is fine sometimes if i'm beating someone up because i do occasionally but if it's like i'm trying to do something to someone's butthole and they don't want it to hurt then i'll be like okay how does this feel is this good do you like this and i can still do it in like a sexy way but it's like you know like tell me you like it and they can be like actually <laughs> it's like okay cool like we'll, we'll back out now you know so, thinking about yeah. my own my own the way that i talk during sex I'm just thinking about the last few sexual experiences that I had, and I get all weird and whispery when I when I'm with somebody. Like my voice lowers, and it's really weird. I'm just thinking about how I, it's literally like. Do I, I remember I was with somebody the other day, or a few a few weeks ago now, and we were doing stuff. It didn't pan out very well. We didn't, we're not going to see mm. each other again, but it's that's okay. And we were doing yeah. stuff, and I was like, "Are you all right?" And they were like, "What? I can't hear you." And I was like, "Are you?" Are you okay and they were like i can't so it's funny how quiet my voice gets because i feel like i'm not allowed to be loud because mm. there's an able-bodied person with me and i shouldn't therefore i'm not allowed to express this because i don't want them to think that i'm expressing too much do you ever feel like you have to like whisper and be quiet or are you are you like loud in your in your protestation of what you're getting at um i can usually be like loud ish but i think that's partly because having been assigned female and having like the vulva vaginal setup like when you watch porn dudes either like say the porniest like cringiest shit or they're just kind of like quietly grunting as they're hammering away at you. Whereas like women generally are like screaming and le they're like, oh, harder. Um, and so like, I feel like that's granted me a lot of permission to make a fuss sort of thing. Um, I just enjoy, I just enjoy the visual you just gave me, which is you sitting in your house right now by yourself on a mic <laughs> going, oh, harder. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like um, I, Last year, I lived with four other flatmates in my flat, um, and that, you know, um, there, was, there was some quiet sex happening at that point, um, 
which was a little bit difficult for me as someone who needs a lot of talking to like signpost things um and a lot of the time i would just go to other people's places for sex um including this one guy that i was like i started out like friends with benefits and then we dated and then we broke up because hilariously he was 39 and i was 19 but we broke up because he was a petulant man child um he was less mature than i was um and like so, we had very little in common because he was a grown-up and i was a child um <laughs> i wouldn't recommend it as as a relationship setup it's not ideal um but yeah and i went over to his to have sex with him um and didn't plan on staying the night and then i decided i would stay the night um so i had to go back to my place to grab my medication for the evening and like toothbrush and stuff and clean pants um and i had a quick wee while i was there obviously vulva vaginal setup have to sit down when i pee stood up forgot that i had i forgot that i had let this dude write the word slut on my ass with sharpie so i stood up and backwards across the toilet seat was the word slut (laughs) i had to try and scrub it off without my flatmates wondering why i was like making weird scrubbing noises in the bathroom when i just darted in to grab my meds and i was like this is oh god i am a mess of a person um so yeah like that that sort of thing happens um if you are not prepared um but at the moment i am blessed with the fact that my daddy has he actually owns a house which is very grown up and intimidating um and he has two bedrooms um so but a he and i can have sex as loudly as we like but also he said that if my girlfriend visits and we want a space where we can do sex stuff that isn't my shared accommodation at uni and is like feels safe and neutral then he will either like put headphones in or he'll go out or he'll participate if you know um if that ever ends up on the table but like if we want to just have sex the two of us he'll give us privacy but we can use his house and that's just an absolute luxury because like my girlfriend bites me a lot (laughs) and i make a lot of noise that's that so (laughs) i'm not sure there's a comment there because i'm I'm listening going like wow that's amazing and i don't know (laughs) I don't know what... I'm, I'm so lucky like I am actually if I could go back in time and say to 15 year old Morgan like you're gonna come out to your mum and it's fine and you're gonna have a boyfriend and a girlfriend who really like each other and you're gonna have kinky sex with your boyfriend on the regs and your girlfriend sometimes and you're gonna be at university doing a subject that you love and you're gonna be on a podcast talking about being super autistic and kinky and queer I'm, like I'm so I get like, I am already like, when can I release this? It's so good. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, like, I, I think that 15-year-old me would just be like, wow. And then I'd also, like, drop in there, like, by the way, you're not cis. Because I remember kind of when I first joined Tumblr and I learned a lot of new vocabulary around everything, um, I found the label gender fluid and I was like, wow, I wish I could be gender fluid so then I wouldn't have to be a girl anymore. And then it took me, like, two years to put two and two together that if I desperately don't want to be a girl, maybe it's because I'm not one. Like, you can just be the gender that you are. That's allowed. Um, so, yeah, I would Again, save myself a lot of time. years old. This is amazing. Um, <laughs> and I said that four times because I'm, like, the reason why we don't hear me talking a lot right now is because I'm literally listening to you being like, this is, I guess, like, oh my goodness, <laughs> when are you going to become famous, and when are you starting your own podcast, because you should have one. 
my my boyfriend actually was like we could do a podcast i think you'd be great at it yeah, and i was like I, no no i can't i just i get sidetracked so much do you want like, help with it because i can help you produce one think about it um yeah that would be fucking cool to be honest i can anyway really think about it because i can help you produce it because i know how to do all that stuff so all <laughs> you have to do is record um um but I wanted to ask, because as we're recording today on July the 7th, 2018, mm-hmm. it is London Pride today, and I released an episode of, about my own personal feelings about Pride yesterday. Uh, how do you, what, like, what are your feelings about maybe going to a Pride celebration as an autistic, queer, Oh, God. Um, so I recently took my younger sibling to Pride because, um... Like, they have obviously been figuring out their gender stuff. And my mum was like, I'll give you a bunch of money and you guys just go because it sounds like it's going to be too noisy and crowded for me to enjoy it, but you can bond. Um, and so I was like, okay, free food. Um, free food but, is the best. Yeah. I went to um, Stoke-on-Trent Pride um, because that was the most local one. And so it was relatively small scale. And actually, it was surprisingly well set up in that there were plenty of places to sit down. Um, there was a dedicated under 18s area um, with seating nearby. Um, I presume for parents, but I just pushed my younger sibling towards the under 18s area and I went and sat down and did my knitting. But not all prides are like that. Um, and it was noisy and there were loads of different smells because there were loads of different food vendors. Um, and strangers wanted to talk to me. Um, and yeah, it's it's just not set up for disabled people a lot in a lot of different ways. Um, and I'm going to Nottingham Pride soon and I'm expecting that to be even worse because Nottingham is a bigger city with a bigger, more active like LGBT plus community. Right. Um, but, you know, like it was, it was, it was fun, um, but I only stayed for about three hours before I had had enough. Um, didn't participate in any of the like, you know, like parade stuff, didn't go near the live music venue because I just would have covered my ears and sat down on the ground and cried because um, I do have quite a bit of, it's not so much loud noise, it's like lots of different streams of noise. So like people talking and the sound of the like the live music and like speaker reverb and like footsteps and like people going like, do you want to learn about our corporation? Um, like All at just once. too much. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, it, it's difficult, um, and there should be more provisions for. There should be more ways that disabled people can, like, be part of their local communities. Because a lot, as well, a lot of like LGBT stuff. It's like there's gay bars and there's you know like spaces that are inherently sexual, which great, and we should keep those because for so many years, then our sexuality has been denied to us. Yeah. But also, there should be quiet spaces, there should be alcohol-free spaces, there should be spaces where you can just sit in a gay little corner and do your knitting and not speak to anyone. <laughs> um, I have a yeah, weird like, visual of you in my head. I have a visual of you, like, d- d- talking on the mic and doing, oh, harder. I have a visual of you knitting by yourself <laughs> in the corner. And I have a visual of you with, like, giant tits being like, I, this is, this is like, I, there's so many visual and then there's a visual of you like in the mcdonald's bathroom <laughs> there's so many yeah. visuals going in my head right now 
um, but yeah, so pride, pride is what it is. Um, and would you like to see th- a pride autism float eventually? Would you like? Is that? Do you feel like you want that representation or no? I I would like autistic people to be represented at Pride, but I don't know how it would work logistically when so many autistic people can't make it to Pride because it's too noisy or too crowded or there's too many strangers or, you know, all of those factors. So, you know, if anyone's got any ideas, then, like, um, shout them out somewhere. But, yeah, it's it's difficult. Um, And... I don't I really don't know what the solution is apart from kind of autistic people putting their support into the LGBT communities in other ways like kind of shouting about it on social media and like buying from LGBT plus business owners and stuff like that. Yeah, no, I completely agree and I, I just I just think I think that even in my discussions of queerness and disability like they are unintentionally sometimes super ableist around Again, I'm not autistic, so I'm just... And I, I, I did the whole episode on Pride, which came out yesterday, and I talked about my experience as a wheelchair user, but I just feel like mm. every type of disability needs to find a way to be included there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would love it if there was a quiet area, specifically at Pride, that was, like, somewhat enclosed, so, like, it didn't smell of all the different food, because I'm really sensitive to smell, that's, like, one of my biggest things, and it's why I'm such a fussy eater, um, so, like, an enclosed area where you know that strangers aren't going to approach you, and you know that, like, it's going to be quiet, there's going to be, like, no music playing, no anything like that and you can kind of come as you like and I also think it's really important that you don't have to provide any proof that you're autistic to enter because there are so many undiagnosed autistic people there are so many people who just don't kind of have to hand any stuff like I've been trying to get provisions at university because being autistic and mentally ill and it's been a nightmare because my paperwork is everywhere because I'm autistic (laughs) like you know I just don't organize myself in a coherent way um a lot of the time and it's really challenging and then there's also like you have to get the provisions that I need for university you have to go you have to email a stranger make an appointment then you have to go along to that stranger's office and speak to them for one or two hours you have to have a degree of introspection into how your disability affects your participation on your course um and then you have to fill in some more forms and sign some more things so like and none of that's you know none of that's really accessible if you if if as you describe your level of autism none of that sounds accessible to you i have to just take my boyfriend everywhere with me and bribe myself with confectionery um, or alcohol your boyfriend Um, sounds super hot so i i feel like he's he is great him everywhere is all right um, I wanted to ask about your relationship with both your boyfriend and your girlfriend just a little bit in terms of how, like, was it different for you to talk about your autism to both parties? Like, we we tend to think of, of female-identified individuals as more, like, understanding of stuff like that and all the things. Was there was there a marked, like, how am I going to tell my male partner about that? Is he going to be weird about it? And was there, like, and correct me if I'm wrong, was there was there a expectation of comfort with your girlfriend and not so much with your boyfriend or 
It's weird because with my girlfriend, I had been friends with her for like two years before we started dating because I think that is part of the gender difference is that I didn't want to be the predatory bi and she didn't want to be weird about it and she was only just coming to terms with being queer. Um, and so like she knew I was autistic when we were just mates because... I was doing the beacon of permission thing. I would be like in group conversations and I would be like, well, I am autistic. And um, so it just wasn't a thing with her. And she knew the ins and outs of how my autism specifically affected me um, before we started dating as well. Um, with my boyfriend, then he has something of a medical background. He also is very kind of like, I don't want to say like he's an SJW, but he's like very kind of, self-critical he's very aware of all the privileges he has because he's a white um well-educated well-spoken cis dude who um is probably like like he's he's pansexual but he's other than that he's like not visibly like disprivileged in any way um so i was i was nervous about it but also when i met him i was drunk <laughs> and drink me does not hold back so i mentioned it to him at that point um and he was really receptive to it and he was really kind of like well i don't know much about this can you tell me um and that was a really good sign and i think it's Isn't one it of the, the sexiest reasons thing that... when people say like i don't know anything about this but it look i want to get to know you better and they hear out to tell me all. It, it it makes me so excited <laughs> i get so turned on so because it never happens yeah, no, it is fantastic. But um, yeah, so that was one of the reasons that I was kind of like, right, this is this is a great relationship for me to be in. Um, I like telling the story of when I realized that I wanted to like go, like wanted to make it into something serious with him, which is, so at the time we were completely open. Now we're kind of in this state of like polyfidelity where it's just me and him and then me and my girlfriend. But at the time we were completely open and I had just been broken up with for the like second or third time by the same dude who I won't name. Um, but he was, you know, a fuckboy incarnate. He was really kind of like in and out, like, oh, I can deal with the poly. Oh, no, I can't. Oh, I can. Oh, I can't. And he wasn't great at my pronouns and all of this nonsense. And he'd broken up with me. Um, and I was at my daddy's house and I was really, really sad. And I think we'd gone out grocery shopping. Um, and he caught me kind of just looking up at the sky and I was like, oh, I did an astrology class one time. And I think that that's the Big Dipper and that's Orion's belt. And he was like, do you want to go stargazing? And I was like, yeah, that'd be cool at some point. And he was like, no, I mean now. Like, we can get in the car and we can drive somewhere where there's less light pollution. And we can just look at stars for a while. And I was like, okay. Um, so we went on this really long road trip and we stopped for McDonald's. And, like, even though I was kind did of, like, moping about this other boy... <laughs> not this time um i've grown out of that now i have beds to have sex on turns out they're more comfortable right yes <laughs> um but yeah so um we went and got some mcdonald's and then we went and like just sat on the bonnet of his car and just looked at the stars and pointed out constellations and found this app that told us which constellations were which um and it was like even though i was sad about this other boy and even though he had already said like even though he disapproved of this other boy because he'd been shitty about my pronouns and shitty about the polyamory then he was willing to just be with me in my sadness and just like find ways to kind of make me feel just okay about stuff and 
it was an adventure and it was just like wow this person really fucking cares about me and so that was really great that, i mean that's awesome um, because dis- disabled people don't go on dates that are adventurous we we yeah in my experience of my very limited experience of proper dating it's let's have a burger at an, at an accessible restaurant that i've totally already scouted out and then let's <laughs> go back to my totally accessible apartment and have accessible sex and then that's it but the mm-hmm. fact that like somebody took you on an adventure like i it is my dream to go on an adventure date with a boy. So if anybody listening wants to go on a date with it, <laughs> like, that is what I want. And it's really cool it, that he offered that to you. Yeah, he is just phenomenal. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like, a lot of dates, like, a lot of traditional dates I really struggle with. Like, the cinema, like, going to see a movie, like, I cannot deal with like paying attention that long i can't deal with being sat still that long i can't deal with like the several different streams of audio i can't deal with the smell of popcorn like it's really challenging for me um and then like a lot of food-based dates like i'm so fussy that if someone wants to take me out for food i'm like okay well where are we gonna go i need to look at the menu online make sure there's something that i can eat and make sure that i've like i have to rehearse ordering it i have to like sit there like either in my head or sometimes out loud and be like yeah um i want the steak medium rare and some curly fries please um and practice that and you know get comfortable with that so there's a lot of stuff in my life that is very samey which is fine um and being autistic like that makes me feel really comforted but it is great when i can have new experiences and when i can go on adventures yeah i mean the the like i really want a boy to, to take me out stargazing that's I mean, anybody who wants to do that in toronto let me know. <laughs> um um this has been an amazing conversation i could talk to you for another two hours because wow i had such a good time <laughs> and i really hope that it was comfortable for you and I, I really really hope you enjoyed yourself yeah yeah for anyone who's like sitting around thinking like oh maybe i could apply to be a guest on this podcast andrew is great um like this is a really chill experience it's just you sit and you have a chat and it's it is fantastic and, and you sometimes mind about you sometimes mind sex noises into a microphone it's it yeah <laughs> it might happen um um, there was something that I wanted to ask you and that I know, oh, ha- yeah, so how can people get a hold of you and follow your work? Because I think it's amazing. Yeah, so if for some reason you don't want to read my kink-related stuff, in which case, why have you listened to a whole podcast about kink and sex? But okay, exactly, yeah, um, yeah, <laughs> then it's, um, I'm at Great Ninja Morgan on Twitter, and that's G R eight Ninja Morgan because they wouldn't let me fit the whole damn word in otherwise. Um, on Twitter, if you do want to read about my kink stuff, then it's at Kinky Autistic, all one word, no underscores. Um, I'll make sure that all that's in the show notes. Not to worry. Yeah, and then my WordPress blog because I'm too broke to pay for my own hosting, single tier, um, is a Kinky Autistic dot WordPress dot com. Tell me about it though, paying for it paying for that stuff it's you know if you're a disabled blogger it should just be free there should be an option that's like oh, yeah you have no money cool <laughs> <Here's that one. laughs> well i i am in the middle of applying for what is in england called personal independence payments um which is the money that the government gives you for being disabled i get um, that hey <laughs> <laughs> um there's so this is a long-winded one but 
um, in English university culture, there's a, people talk about going on the sesh, which is when you go out drinking um, and like clubbing and everything. And they talk about having a specific amount of money you set aside for that purpose called the sesh fund. There's also an ableist slur originating from like being special needs, which is spesh. So I told one of my best friends who knows that I am like down with reclaiming ableist slurs Amazing. that I was applying for yep. this. Awesome. And her, the first thing out of her mouth was, can we call it the spesh fund? <laughs> I was like, Babe, I was just going to yes, say, I was like, can, uh, can we, because that's, yep. Yeah. Um, but that process is an absolute nightmare. But once that goes through, then I might be able to pay for my own hosting. I might even be able to commission some art because there are a few like artists I would love to do like my blog icon and stuff. Because I don't know if you've seen my blog icon. I did it in felt tip on a moving train. Wow. And I was just like, yeah, this will fucking do. Wow. Like my blog is about age play and being disabled. So if it looks like a five year old who has no proprioception did it, fair enough. Like, <laughs> Well, I know some artists who did stuff for me and I can always put you in touch with them too if you want if you wanted it to be done professional I have I've been looking at um star boots Amy Gardner yeah, I think her name is yeah, um done... who did all the dildox art because she's just so talented but I want to I actually want to have enough money set aside so that I can tip her as well because I think her rates are like way too low for how talented she is so talented she's working on stuff for me right now so I'm excited to when that comes out but 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 yeah. um this has been such a fun conversation. Uh, we, I mean, we chatted for an hour and 20 minutes and you were nervous. And now, <laughs> so good. So thank you so much for coming on today. Um, thank you so much. You've been fantastic. And thank you for having me. And thank you for being such a welcoming and accommodating host. It was, I, I want to find a way to bring your mom on and just have conversation. <laughs> um, I'll mention it to her because she might be game for because it. That, because talk, that would just be like, wow. That would be, she sounds great. Um, anyway, I don't think the audience wants to listen to us love on each other for another five hours. So, uh, <laughs> so Morgan, thank you so much for coming on today. And I, we will talk very soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Thanks. Alright, so that's another episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on sex and disability. I'm, of course, your host, Andrew Gerza. Thank you so much for listening and being a part of this. If you want to follow my work, you can head on over to www.andrewgerza.com or follow me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza. You can also follow the Disability After Dark podcast on Twitter by following DisAftDarkPod. You can also follow our Facebook page, facebook.com slash disabilityafterdark. It would also be super awesome if you could leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts so more people can hear about the show. And if you are able and want to support the show, you can do so by heading over to patreon.com slash content. This way we can do, do things like get better equipment, you help me make a living doing this thing. You help support content made but made by and for people with disabilities. So I can't thank you enough. And you can pledge whatever you can and as little as $1 a month to make it as financially accessible as possible. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you again next time right here on Disability After Dark.
Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations with music by Chris Ujiuchi. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright Crippled Content Creations 2018